Are you on the right path? The UK's leading holistic health advisor, Janice Nakin, is my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa and talks about what led her to a career in naturopathy. A global speaker on health, Janice shares how she was set on her path of intelligent health and how we should all be listening to our bodies. Let's find out more. Hi, Janice. Welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Ali. Great to be here. Good, good. So what have you been up to this week in the world of well-being? Well, I've been launching an eight-week programme teaching women particularly how to optimise their health in eight weeks because I have a very um, special passion for women, particularly in business, who, because of their, the demands of their life, they've stopped listening to their bodies. And oftentimes we put ourselves out there, whether it be in an online space, um, be it on social media or otherwise, and we look and we feel fantastic to our social world. But deep down, there are issues going on under the surface, but we just don't pay the due attention that's needed. And oftentimes it's the small things. If we could address them while they're small, they can cause us to be so much you know better off and avoid some really awful health conditions later on down the line so I really have a passion for prevention and helping women and men I mean it's not exclusive but um, to to really listen to their bodies and to take action in the earlier stages as far as possible yeah no I understand I mean you know health is the most important thing actually in reality to our world isn't it and so often I think you know that we're racing to do things and that our health actually gets put onto the back burner um and that can't be a good thing so uh, you know let's let's get to the the crux of the matter how did this all begin for you how did your health journey begin well I started off um with a very indulgent parent my dad, um, who is a lovely guy and has a wonderful um, passion for food. And one way that he expressed love was through sharing food with me. And um, as the first child, you know, I guess I was indulged that bit more and more time and effort was lavished on me in that way. And there were no rules really. So I could eat what I wanted when I wanted. It was applauded. And the fact that I was chubby, it was cute. And um, later on though, um, there were issues. I was overweight in school. I was teased, I was bullied. I I, um, started to develop skin problems um, Mm. and other issues. And as, as I got older, particularly, you know, when I reached the adolescent years, my skin really was a, a, an issue. And those issues were medicated away. And as a result of the medications, my health issues compounded and led to more issues. So by the time I reached my teenage years, I realized that if I was going to be healthy, because there were other issues now coming as a result mm. that I would have to take a different approach. And so I started to study herbal medicine around my late teens, around the ages of sort of 18, 19 years old. And as the people around me saw the changes in me, 
other people started to come in, you know, in my circle, started to come to me with their issues and, you know, sort of family, friends, peers and so on until later on, I decided to train as a, a naturopath. Um, and I've had some amazing, amazing results working with people, reversing cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, skin problems, you name it. And it's because of a very thorough understanding of natural laws that I've, I've learned and developed over time. So I've become a real expert in understanding cause and effect relationships. So I can look at what you're suffering from and go through your history and look at, find the causes. And then I know how to reverse those conditions that cause those causes. And then the body will heal itself. And so it's been an amazing journey and I feel really blessed to have touched so many people's lives. And I realized that my health conditions which I would say would culminate with me having um, two breast tumors, one at age 15 and one at age 30. But the first one was removed by, um, by surgery, okay? Right. But the second one, because of me being in a different mental space by then and being empowered with the knowledge that I have, the second one was removed by nature. There was no medical um, intervention necessary whatsoever and the lump disappeared completely it's gone wow wow so, so was it malignant no it wasn't it wasn't but what i would say is that i my paternal grandmother actually died of breast cancer right and the fact that i had one lump at 15 and then 15 years later another i you know you can't say for sure you know i admit that but I would say I was on the trajectory towards malignancy because right. the body, you know, when it, when it creates a tumor, it's the way of the body sort of pocketing away toxins. Mm. It's trying to take them away from the rest of, you know, the blood circulatory system and, and separate it so that you can carry on with the rest of your life. But if that toxicity isn't addressed early enough, the body, you know, becomes more and more overloaded with toxins. So then what happens? You know, the situation escalates. Mm. Yes, no, I, I see you. I see you. Yeah. So yeah. who would you say are, have been the key inspiring figures that you've met along your journey who have, you know, kept you on your path? My heroes are actually my clients. And why I say that is because I've seen such spirit, you know, from, from the individuals that I work with um, and the kind of comeback that they've made and the efforts and, you know, families who've, you know, changed their diet to support their loved one. You know, everybody's on board and everybody's, you know, doing their part and they've got their rotor and they're you know all doing their bit to me they are the heroes they really are and when I see how much they give how much they put into you know 
their willingness to turn their lives around. That inspires me to keep going. And the results, of course, at the end of it, it makes it so worthwhile. So, I mean, you know, naturopathy is very much about, as, as you've already really described, the fact that, it, you know, it, it is about, you know, natural medicine, um, mm. but also, you know, your life situation and how your, literally your body kind of fits into your lifestyle. Absolutely. And that's the problem for most of us. Our mm. body has to be made to fit into a lifestyle rather than creating a lifestyle that suits our bodies. And, and this has, you know, been such a, a huge, huge problem because, you know, from the very get-go, you know, when we're educated in school, mm-hmm. you know, for example, we are taught about, um, you know, the body and how we breathe, you know, how um oxygen is exchanged and how digestion works but we're not actually taught it in a way that we relate to our own personal practice are you with me yeah absolutely yeah yeah, biology teaches you the biology of your body yeah yeah absolutely so for example you know we're told that the body produces um the, the, the the stomach produces hydrochloric acid to help Um, digest protein for example Mm. Um, but we always as a habit lifestyle habit tend to eat and drink with our meals right yeah but when we drink with a meal we're diluting that acid and if we dilute the acid, ah. then it's not going to break down the food. But but what I'm saying is that the way we're taught, our choice, you know, our choices aren't challenged, or the way we live isn't challenged. It's just science, and it's in a vacuum. And to me, that's a real problem, you know. So people don't think about creating a lifestyle that suits their body. They find themselves squeezed because they have ambitions. And so they have to go to lunches and they have to stay in hotels and they have to do this and they have to do that. And they work late hours and so on and so forth. And they're not actually nurturing the very body that's serving them. No, I, I, I can see that and I agree with you. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, on a regular basis, um, you know, if I'm slouching over my desk because I'm yeah. working on the computer, you know, my my laptop, it, you know, I, I suddenly become really round-shouldered and I'm, yeah. you know, the posture's not great, it's really not great and it can't be really good for my body, you know, it can't be. Absolutely, so true. And, you know, when you are hunched over like that, if you think about your lungs what's happening to them the actual area for them to you know to receive the oxygens is being diminished by your posture and if you do that day in day out week in week out month in month out year in year out there's a cumulative effect isn't there yes yeah yeah you know and it's it's not necessarily what we do every once in a while that makes the difference it's the things that we do on a habitual basis that really create the framework and the context for thriving or for disease 
I mean, obviously, physical exercise is really good for us. And I think we've learned more about that in the last year or 18 months since the start of the pandemic than ever before, really, haven't we? Which is quite a sad thing, to be honest. It's true. It is true. But to me, if, you know, whatever we can gain from situations like the pandemic, then we should embrace them and, you know, take, take those things forward so that when we're not in lockdown, we remember how important that was to us to get outside. Because, you know, sometimes you desire something more once it's denied you. Yes. And then once you're able to go out, you know, psychologically, you just don't fancy going out perhaps as much. But um, yeah, exercise is so important, particularly for the respiratory system if you're doing cardiovascular exercise. And we know that COVID really does target the respiratory mm. and yeah. cardiovascular um, system. So, you know, healthy lungs, you know, um, one of the really, um, I think notable factors in COVID um, is that mucus is, has a very important part to play, you know, um, in how it restricts the breathing and the inflammation that we have in the lungs. But when you run or when you walk and you're outside and you're um, breathing deeply of the fresh air, it helps to bring that mucus out of the body and mucus is a real factor because it does reduce the amount of oxygen that can come into the cells. So it's really important going out in the fresh air to exercise, even if it's just a brisk walk, is so, so important to the immune system. No, I don't, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, but yeah, I mean, obviously you're an expert about this, you know, rather than me. So, you know, within your, you know, journey, you've, obviously done quite a lot of speaking haven't you about naturopathy oh yes definitely yeah 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 so what was your your last speaking event my last speaking event was to a group in Canada actually um well actually no before that I spoke to a group I did a master class for um the skin health and body summit and um I spoke about why problem skin can be a blessing in disguise. Mm. Um, that, was the, that was the most recent one as that was um, um, just last week, but a little before that, the one in Canada was really about our attitude towards our health. It was more challenging the mindset because for many of us, we say when we have an illness that we're not sure what to do, but ironically, you know, if you're, if you go, you know, for example, my husband, he's, um, he's a teacher. So in the staff room, if he, if he, they saw his lunch and it was a salad or something, they'd be like, oh, you're eating healthy, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but they, that shows that they actually know what eating healthy is, right? Even though we claim to be in the dark. Mm there's a disconnect somewhere with our attitude to these things it's like yeah it's healthy but it's not for me and it's about why and unpacking that and does it really have to not be for you because there are so many ways now um, in these modern times that um, healthy eating you know it's been popularized it's been made a lot more accessible I think yeah um, but but for some reason you know people are still 
perhaps not making the best choices for themselves. And for, for me, that's a huge thing because I see how it impacts, you know, loved ones, it, it impacts the family when, you know, when sickness does come as a result of those things. And also, you know, food are, you know, basically what, what do you call food? Mood, mood receptors, not mood receptors, mood enhances mood right it affects yeah. our moods doesn't it i mean certain oh, foods affect your moods and you don't realize perhaps how much they do affect your moods absolutely absolutely i mean for example tryptophan which is in um a, a lot of um foods like tofu and certain beans and and so on it's been known to help lift the mind um particularly and i know that there are some doctors in the States that use um, tryptophan to treat depression, actually. Right. Um, but one of the things that um, I think it isn't recognized so much is that when we eat non-foods, foods that are food because they're, you know, people do put them in their mouths, but they're not actually, you know, na natural, they're man-made, yeah? And they're yes. very processed things these actually create a lot of inflammation and toxicity in the body and when the body um, becomes toxic it does cause a depression on the on the mood and the mindset and when we have a good clear out when we detoxify it really lifts us and we can feel joy you know and I feel that there's not a lot of joy in the world these days there's so much going on and there's so much bad news and a lot of the time we respond to the stresses and strains by actually eating the worst foods. Yeah. You know, we treat ourselves, we medicate, yeah, we're medicating ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, that high may come when that flavor hits your mouth, but after that, we sink down even more. Yeah, absolutely. So it, yeah. it need, means you need to go for that next fix. And so it's a, it's a never ending circle. Do you know what you're actually talking to the converted as far as some mm -hmm. is concerned? Because probably about six, seven years ago, um, I'm, my mom died six and a half years ago, but oh, I'm so know, sorry. no, that, that's okay. I mean, it's just, it becomes a part of life and natural progression and all that. But mm -hmm. um, during the time that she was in hospital, you know, she was in hospital for, for three months before she died. I'd right. actually severed the tendon in my thumb. So oh, living wow. in Berkshire, I had to travel all across into London to get a train and then get another train and another train and another tube to go to wow. the Queen Elizabeth in mm. Woolwich. And um, so I had to travel a lot. So en route, and I don't know if it was probably it was because I was really worried about, you know, my mum's health. I was just yeah. snacking on chocolate muffins. You know, I wasn't having any proper lunch. Right, right, right. I understand. I mean, yeah. Um, and, you know, it came to the point that I used to love chocolate and everything anyway, but it came to the point that I had such a huge sugar load every single day, every single week. Yeah. That, you know, it, it, it got to the point I was just, I just felt really burnt out all the time. So I actually, after she died, 
um, it was probably a few months after that, I then suddenly thought, do you know what? I can't, the energy, it's not just bereavement I'm feeling here. Mm. The energy mm. is, is mm. wrong. So I actually cut out surplus sugar. So no cakes, no chocolate, no anything like that, except for cakes that I started to make with honey. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. And Fantastic. I've been like that ever since for the last six years. That's fantastic. And I can see your skin looks great. Oh, thanks. You do, you, you do look conscious. And, oh. and, and the thing is, you know, with sugar, it's so, it's so dangerous because it's, it's, it's so addictive and its effects are, are so serious. And that's because sugar, and when I'm talking about sugar, I mean the refined sugar, not the sugar that naturally occurs in fruit and, and vegetables and so on, but because it's refined, for the body to metabolize sugar, it actually needs minerals in order to do that. But because sugar is a refined food and it's, and it's stripped of minerals, okay, when we take sugar into our bodies, the body is then looking for minerals in order to met metabolize the sugar. And so it's taking the minerals from other um, parts of the body, often quite not notably um, the bones, because the bones are the most heavily mineralized part of the body. Yeah. And you'll find that people who um, do eat vast amounts of sugar, you know, they tend to have issues with weak bones and osteoporosis and right. sugar sugar is a main factor in that and it also deranges hormones so you know for women that you know have hormonal issues sugar really should be cut out of the of the diet completely yeah and, and i mean that's something that i've even noticed with my daughter you know when it mm. comes to a certain time in the month it's like oh i need some chocolate or you know yeah it's that whole comfort thing uh, and that's actually, right. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I wouldn't have known all of that, but it just, for me, it was the energy levels were just like, whoa, this is just crazy. You yeah, know? but thankfully you were sensitive to that. For a lot of people, they wouldn't have, have connected that to, to their sugar intake. Ah, well, I will let you into a secret. I am actually a Reiki master teacher as well. I trained to be oh. one years ago so I think you know what that says you know spiritual stuff aside um mm. is the amount of meditation that I do with Reiki and I still do now every day I meditate and I mm. think that keeps me in touch with my body a lot more yeah. than perhaps otherwise Most I would people. be in touch <laughs> yeah absolutely because like let's face it Life is so hectic, there is very little time to be still. And with the use of mobile phones, it's like the, the mobile phone has be, almost become like, you know, another body part, let's face it. You know, you, you go on a train, you go on a bus, people are on the, you know, people are walking on the street on their phones and we don't let them go. So uh, we're just on the go mentally mentally all the time the stimulation and the space for quietness for contemplation for 
for true creativity and reflection. Where is it? You know, we don't get a lot of it, do we? Really, because we like rely on our phones or you know the internet. Or I mean, you know, I have to say I love the internet in many ways because it's a great research tool. Mm. You know, but at the same time, it, it's just I, I wonder what I'm doing. Now, you know, my phone basically has a little room of its own at night time. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's well, I can't do it anymore because otherwise my brain is like super active. And I was waking up at ridiculous o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what it, part of what was happening that my brain was like, oh, what's going on now? Yeah, it's fevered, overstimulated. And it's like, oh, should I just check my phone to see if some, you know, did that person reply or whatever? It's just too easy to not switch off. Mm. And um, I really think it's a problem. You know, when my kids were young, I, I mentioned to you before that um, I homeschooled my children. There was a time in the day where I would just sit them all down and we would have what we called um, quiet time where we would just stop doing everything and just listen. And they were really young and I'd say, listen, what can you hear? Let's not make any sound. And for a few minutes, cause I, was, I wanted to teach them how to be still. And so we would then later talk about the things that we could hear while we were still. You know, because you can even hear the hum of an electric current or, you know, an aeroplane or a helicopter or the, a bird singing. But now we're so into devices that, you know, we, we don't connect with our environment as, as we ought to. And even, you know, you think about the issues that are in the news now about our environment and the danger um, that our planet is in. I just wonder if, you know, you talked about sensitivity and connectivity because of your meditation. Do we find ourselves not caring as much? Yeah, I think you've probably got a point. Hmm. You know, our, our, our ability to, to really have compassion and that sense of connection to the, to the earth that we, that we live that we live on, but it also, you know, the elements in the earth are the same elements in our body. You know, we are a part of the earth, the earth is a part of us. Um, we don't realize that by not caring for the planet, we are actually not caring for ourselves. We just haven't made, we haven't joined the dots and we're still just trying to make as much money as possible or whatever it might be, you know? Um, and so, you know, well-being, it extends quite far, I think. It's not just about what you eat, but I do think what you eat can impact how you think. Yeah. And the more, the more sensitivity you develop in your thought life, then, you know, the more empathy, the more compassion and the, the greater ability, I think, to really make a positive change in the world. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very, very profound as well. So, I mean, you know, let's just touch on some of the other stuff that you've, you've done as well, because, I mean, you know, you, you've obviously helped out certain sections of people, like school children as well, haven't you? 
Oh, yes. You mean in the education sector or do yeah, you mean in, in, yeah, in the education yeah. sector? Yeah. Yeah. OK. What, what would you like to <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> well, I mean, do you carry your your kind of, you know, what the, what you've done and also, you know, mm. do you carry your naturopathy over to, to other projects as well? Well, um, in terms of um, the, the learning centre that um, I had in the home, um really because i wasn't really um serving meals or anything like that to the children it didn't impact in that way but for example if they if they had a headache or they had some kind of ailment then i would you know show them care and show them you know natural ways for example a natural way of helping a headache you know especially for those that might you know even want just an excuse to 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 not do some work right um is to have a hot foot bath if you get a basin of um warm water um quite you know not hot but on the hotter side of warm and you put mm. your feet in that draws the blood flow from the head more um towards the feet so that throbbing that you have in the head can be relieved by a hot foot bath. So I, I would do think, you know, simple things like that to help them and just, um, you know, have, we'd have talks about health and how that impacts your mind. Um, but oftentimes, you know, you, to really impact, I think you need a close um, connection with the parents and the home as well yeah, as with- course. Yeah. With, with the child yeah but you know nevertheless I mean you know what a, a wonderful thing to do so how long did that last for them um that last for I think that was three years that I was running that learning center I still homeschool now I have my my own um children but the the children that were here um you know they've since you know outgrown in age um the learning center and some of them have moved away um, but it's interesting because this all took place before COVID when, you know, children had to work from home. Yes. So that, that was interesting, I found. Um, and, you know, thankfully, certainly with, with my own children, there wasn't much of a change at all in what was going on, you know, in terms of their school life, because they're already, you know, having to manage themselves and motivate themselves. Um, in in the home so so that was a positive thing so yeah so covid actually and lockdowns were were a little bit of a no sweat for you compared to other people who completely have been thrown into a situation that they've never been in before absolutely i mean i've had to you know wear the cap of a an educator for my children as well as you know, do my role as a naturopath and work with my clients. I was always doing that, and you know, the housework and everything else. So, yeah, yeah COVID didn't change anything. I mean, my husband was able to to be at home as well because, as a teacher, the schools were closed, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, it it really didn't make a huge amount of difference. I think once the lockdown became much more prolonged, though, and you you heard of people, you know, losing their lives then it started to have an you know more of an effect because you realize you know this thing isn't going away overnight and it's really having a, a severe effect on our country and 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 the world you know 
Um, mm. And for many, while we were okay, you know, as a family, there are so many people that are on their own. Do you think that your clients kind of like increased over the lockdown period or? Um, not really, because um, most of my clients, to be honest, um, and which is why I'm doing a big drive now on prevention, most of my clients I find come to me because they've exhausted everything else you know they've had an illness and they've gone to the doctors and it's not worked or they've had chemo and it's cancer still coming back and it's more let me try natural then because everything else seems to have failed because you know the way we're educated mm. we're not connected to nature as the first sort of port of um, call oh, really no. no you know it's a pill for every ill and um and so, no, not, not to start with at all, but um, now I'm trying to push more for prevention and to help people, you know, who are feeling the early warning signs. Because I think, you know, the suffering that I've seen, I really want to avoid seeing that. Because if people listen a lot earlier and take action, then we don't have to go there. Yeah, so that's something that I'm really passionate about. No, and that that is something to be passionate about because quite right, I think all too often we're racing through life for whatever reason, you know, job, making money, dealing with kids, doing you know everything we need to do, um, and we don't actually have time for ourselves, which is you know not not the right thing is it really or listen or even begin to listen to our own bodies I think you know at times well this is the thing the body it just you know we just use it up use it up until it's it can't be used anymore and um you know as I say I think as well because because of the pressures of social media we often mask we, we mask these things we mask them because we have to show up in a certain light all the time and and that pressure I think causes us to perhaps you know not prioritize even more our yeah. health. No, I agree with you. Anyway Janice thank you so much for coming on. So, oh it's been a genuine pleasure thank you. So I look forward to catching up with you again at some point. Sounds great. Sounds great, Thanks. Ali. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye, bye. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.